You are listening to the Rooted Ministry Podcast, a conversation advancing gospel-centered ministry to youth. For more information about Rooted, visit our website at www.rootedministry.com. Hey, this is Kristen Hatton, and I am here talking to David Thomas today. Um, he is the Director of Family Counseling at Daystar Ministries here in Nashville. So welcome, David. Thanks for being a part of the Rooted um, Conference. Thank you for having me. I have loved being a part of this conference. Well, I was fortunate in that I got to sit into both of your workshops, and so I got to hear about nurturing boys, which was great because I have two boys. And I got to hear about teens and emotions, which I know lots about, um, since I also have a daughter who has lots of emotions. (laughs) Um, So it was all very informative to me, and I know that all the listeners are going to enjoy hearing what you have to say. I'd love to know just uh, just a little bit more background, like where um, you got your counseling degree and kind of what you're doing. Talk about a little bit about Daystar um, Counseling Center. I'd be happy to. Thank you. I have been doing this work for over 20 years now and have been with Daystar for all that time and is an amazing organization that I have had the privilege of being a part of and we are 32 years old our organization is at this point we've been around since 1985 and serving just the pediatric population so we see just children adolescents and their families and we lead groups we do individual counseling family counseling we do some retreats and day camps out of our office, a lot of arms of what we do. And then out of that, I have had the privilege of just traveling around the country and talking with parents about a lot of topics related to child and adolescent development and um, navigating life with kids and teenagers and just was so thrilled to be a part of this time as well. And I did my training, my undergrad and graduate training at the University of Tennessee. So I studied psychology and have a minor in child development and my master's was in clinical social work. So we were laughing a little bit earlier about my letters aren't very impressive because I have a therapy dog. We use dogs as a part of our practice, and I have a therapy dog with more letters behind his name than me. So <laughs> well, I love what y'all are doing, and there is just such a need. I'm just finding as a parent of teenagers in this day and age, it's just there's just more and more to fear and so I think that what y'all are doing to help um, disarm parents to be able to enter in with their kids and to understand their kids better and then being able to speak into the lives of these kids is just amazing because I know our kids need, um, they hear things differently sometimes from someone besides just their own parent. So what are you finding um, just currently? Like what are the big issues that you're dealing with? I would first say I couldn't agree more with you. I, I don't think it's ever been a more complicated time to be an adolescent. And, and I'm quick to say to parents who will you know, commonly say as we do, just, you know, I was a teenager once. I know it's hard. And I'm always quick to challenge parents in that place to say, I know you were, I was as well, but we weren't teenagers in this moment. Like no. social media didn't exist. No, it's so different. Absolutely. There's so many animals that are a part of this experience that make it a harder time than ever, which I think makes it a harder time than ever to parent an adolescent because we have all these things coming at us. But I would say, you know, according to what the newest data, the statistics are telling us, one of the biggest hurdles that kids are facing in this day and age is anxiety. And when we were doing the research for our newest book, Are My Kids on Track?, the 
Statistics at that time were that one in eight adolescents would be diagnosed with anxiety. In just three years since we started that research, the number has jumped to one in four. Oh, it's just In astounding. just three years, it is. And so anxiety is now considered to be a childhood epidemic in our country. The numbers are so high. And, and we are seeing in our practice kids younger than we've ever seen who are being diagnosed. And, and within all of that, I think seeing evidence of kids who are struggling to regulate emotions more than they ever have, adolescents as well. And so these swings, these extreme swings, whether it's the language they're using. I, I talk a lot with parents in that particular class about how when most of us were growing up, you know, if, if we were really upset with our parents, the thing that we might think to say would be, I'm going to run away from home. Right. And it's been well over a decade since I've heard a child say that to parents or a parent report that a child said that. I think kids in this day and age, sadly, tragically, don't think to say I'm going to run away from home. They say I'm going to kill myself. Mm. And according to the statistics, there's another one. We have the highest rates of suicidal ideation, the highest rates of self-harming behaviors, the highest rates of suicides uh, than any other time in history. And so kids are extreme in their behaviors. Kids are extreme in their language. Kids rarely ever anymore just say I'm sad. They say I'm depressed. They don't say I'm worried. They say I have anxiety. And so there's so many swings that we're seeing in our work with kids where I think helping the kids we love, helping parents equip kids we love to learn to regulate emotions, to articulate their experience more accurately is one of the biggest mountains we're having to climb right now with kids and adolescents. Mm, so how do we push back on those statistics? I mean, what is it? How, how would you um, help parents to enter in with that, with a child that is experiencing anxiety or saying that they're anxious and maybe they're not really anxious, but they're calling it that. Yes. I would say it's, it's a part of why writing our newest book felt so important because I think we're seeing less evidence where kids are moving toward emotional, social, and spiritual milestones than ever. And that's what our new book is about. We just took four emotional, four social, and four spiritual milestones and broke those down. We just defined what they are. And then we talk about what are the stumbling blocks for boys to getting there? What are the stumbling blocks for girls? And then what are the building blocks for boys and building blocks for girls with each of those? And it starts with, to answer your question, the first milestone, the first emotional milestone, first chapter in the book is vocabulary. It's just helping kids develop an emotional vocabulary so that I can say accurately what my experience is. And then we jump straight from there to the milestone of perspective, which is a little bit like I talk with, with parents, and we talk with kids this way in our office. If you've ever been to the emergency room, you know there's a one to five pain scale hanging on the wall in every right. every room, and, and the doctor's going to say, what's your pain in this moment? And we need to be able to accurately communicate that so that they can accurately treat us. And we want to help kids develop perspective and be able to categorize life accurately and, and knowing that Losing my car keys is a one. Losing a family member is a 10. But so many kids will swing to 10 with everything. This is the worst day of my life. And helping kids be able to accurately figure out, okay, no, actually, this was a four day. This was not a 10 day. And when I heard you say that in the workshop, that just really resonated with me. And being, I'm going to start using that with my kids to help me understand, okay, what is it exactly that's upsetting them? And Yes. And how help them to see, like, okay, this really isn't the worst day. This right. is a three. 
<laughs> so because when we can do that, when we can accurately identify, we're more equipped to figure out, okay, what do I want to do with a three days worth of emotions? And, and that's so much what we wanted to do in this book was give parents really practical practices that they could be doing in their homes on the front side in non-problematic moments so that when kids have meltdowns, whether it's a toddler or a teenager, Mm -hmm. they feel like they have done some of the homework on the front side so that those kids can better navigate those complicated moments. And certainly that being the skill sets we want to have in place when we're launching kids out in the world and they're on their own in college or as young adults living in other states. And so it's it's that kind of practice. We literally walk parents through drawing a line on a piece of paper and putting a 1 to 10 scale down and helping kids in a non-problematic moment categorize what would be a 3, what would be a 5, what would be a, a 7. And then in the chapter on resourcefulness, which is the fourth emotional milestone, we, we work with a practice that we call the space where we're helping parents kind of brainstorm, problem solve with kids. What are the things, and basically what it is is coping skills. What are the coping skills the self-soothing strategies that I want to have in place. I want to know my top five and I go to a space and I exercise those options in that moment so that again, when our kids are away from school and they're faced with really tough situations as college students, they've had a long runway of being able to practice those things with consistency. They know what works for them so that when they hit up with against some really hard moments, those skills are in place. Yeah, I love that. Talk to us about what is a space, because I know, um, and you showed a clip of this, but um, I've seen this to be true, is that we can turn to food or turn to, you know, something that is not helpful um, in our emotions. So tell us about, like, what are some ideas for spaces that we can help create in our families? One of the things we talk a lot about in, in the beginning of that chapter is how Kids before adolescence, so 12 and under, they're in in terms of their cognitive development and what we call concrete thinking. So the world's very black and white. And so when we create concrete experiences for them, it helps them make stronger connections. So when we have an actual physical space, a corner of a mudroom, a corner of a playroom that we could fill with some big oversized pillows that you could scream into or punch and maybe a punching bag, maybe a kickstand, some kind of outlets and objects, tactile experiences, even stress balls, where kids have an opportunity to go there into a concrete space Mm -hmm. and work through the emotions. And that's language we use a lot in the new book of work it through because so much, and you alluded to this, so much of the message the world is going to send them is shut it down. Whatever it is you're feeling, numb it out, shut it down. And clearly, according to the statistics, we're doing a pretty remarkable job as a country in that arena. I mean, we have the highest rates of substance abuse. We have the highest rates of gaming addictions with adolescent boys and young adult men. We have the highest rates of infidelity, eating disorders, substance abuse, suicide. We could run down a lengthy list of all these different paths that individuals are taking to try and shut it down, try and numb out whatever's going yeah, on. all these false sources that we run to thinking yes. that it will, you know, heal or fill that emptiness that we're experiencing. Yes. But I think also we so often, um, we don't know, we cannot be 
we're not okay with not being okay. And I think that that is something that, um, as a parent, I've found myself, like, I just want to rush in and I want to fix it. I want to control. I don't want to see my child suffer and struggling. And so, I mean, of course, the whole new term, the lawnmower parent um, phenomenon. But, um, I mean, just going back to this idea that all these different emotions are, are God-given. Like, we, why can't we sit in our sadness or our yes. frustration? And, and so I think as parents, we need to allow that space that you're talking about for our kids kids to, um, to, to work it out. I agree. I have a dear friend here in Nashville who said, growing up, I wish that my mom had said more, you've got this, then let me get this for you. I wish she had done more of one than the other. And the reality that I think sometimes we're so busy being our kids' resources, they don't have the space to develop resourcefulness. Like mm-hmm. we're making a way, paving a path doing the problem solving for them to where they don't have opportunities to develop those vital important skills important skill sets and so i think it is about that we talk in the book in the resourcefulness chapter about one of the greatest gifts we can give kids and adolescents is asking good questions so rather than stepping in in those moments with my own ideas or problem solving asking good questions responding with empathy we talk about this magic equation of empathy and questions if your daughter comes home and has had a really hard incident happen with a girlfriend, sweetheart, that sounds hard. What do you want to do with that? What do you want to say to Emily? We rarely ask those kinds of questions that set the stage for resourcefulness, that engage problem-solving and critical thinking. And then the third thing I would say that does is it honors our children. I think when I do all the problem-solving for my kids, on some level, I'm sending a message of, you're not smart enough, you're not brave enough, you're not resourceful enough, so let me just do the work for you. Yeah, you're not As, able. And then exactly. I think they get you're to college capable. and they don't think that they're equipped. There it is. There it is. As opposed to asking questions that I think send that message strongly, like, I believe in you. You are a resourceful kid. You're smart. You're brave. You're capable of figuring this out in these moments. And I think it's vital. I think it's vital. We're giving them the life skills to be able to yes. do that on their own and instead of hindering them by always. And I think they tune us out when we're just trying to fix and giving them this long litany of things like, oh, do this and that and that. And, and I can barely even say that statement out loud because it's so troubling to me on so many levels. And I don't say that as a statement of judgment. I, I know the disappointment that students experience in that moment. But there's something about that practice that we would even entertain the possibility right, of in that moment of disappointment that that's an option. That, sweetheart, I will be there with a U-Haul truck and we'll move you home from college. After you've already decided you want to go to the there school, it is. not because based you on your... didn't get in the sorority of your choice. Right. And that, to me, is such a picture of where we've swung so far. Well, and, and I think then we're saying that that then is your identity. There and it our is. Greek letters should never be our there identity. And that you are so weak and incapable that you couldn't deal with the disappointment of not getting into a Greek organization of your choice. So I have no option but to bring you home. Right. Like I, I wish we saw the message we were sending as parents in those moments. Like we are saying something so strongly about those kids in that time as opposed to saying, I believe in you. You are capable of handling whatever life throws at you. I love the statement, there's so many statements that come out of AA that I love and believe in and respect, but one is just figuring out how to deal with life on life's terms mm. and how I don't think we're preparing kids to deal with life on life's terms, whatever disappointments throw their way. And you and I know as adults, 
I have had more experience of failure than success, hands oh, down. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Those equations aren't even in close I proximity mean, to each in other. In a broken world, we are all going to experience trials and, and yes. disappointment and yes. failure. But our kids don't know that. Yes. I remember vividly my junior year of college breaking up with a girl I had been dating for a long period of time, and I was 100% convinced I was going to marry, and I was brokenhearted, and as a result of thinking too much about her and not enough about my academics, I just tanked. Mm-hmm. First semester of my junior year, and I came home for Christmas and announced to my parents that I was not going back for spring semester. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yes, and I remember my dad listening and my mom listening to me in the most amazing ways, and I was crying and emotionally all over the map the way we are is. late adolescence still, and saying to them, I'm not going back. And my dad saying, I can tell how much you're hurting, and I love you, and you are going back to school. (laughs) And I I remember the the both sides of that message that I think I needed so much. I mean, he basically was saying, that option is off the table. Uh You are going back to school. And there's something about, that sounds harsh, but I believe he communicated what I was capable of in that moment. Yes, and affirmed his love There it to is. You. Absolutely. It was both sides. I love you. I'm for you. And you are going back to school. Yes, yes. And well, I want us to be sending that message to kids in that way. It feels yeah. so important. One last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up. You said in the workshop, and I loved this, that practice makes progress, not perfect. And I feel like so much of the reason our kids are struggling so much with mental health and all sorts of things is because this pressure to be perfect. And so just talk to us a minute about how we as parents can help disband mm. that. I think our kids feel that pressure. It's, I'm, I'm in the throes of applying for college with my oldest, and I go to these visits, and it just breaks my heart. These room full of kids and parents who are just buried under this pressure of, you got to get a perfect ACT score. You've got to have a perfect GPA. you got to have a perfect transcript. And so I think kids are buried under that. I think we're buried under that as parents, and I want to do anything I can to push back against that. And I think it starts with let's throw out that statement. I don't like it at all. There are plenty of things in this life I practiced a lot that I not only didn't get perfect at, I didn't even get that good at. Mm-hmm. But I do think practice makes progress. And I think it also sets the stage to remind us as parents that each of our kids are going to progress at their own individual pace. And that's going to look close to what I'd like it to look like in some moments and not at all what I'd like it to look like in others. Way different with each of our kids. There it is. And, And I think what else is within that is our job as parents is to parent the kids we've been given which sometimes may be really close to what we imagine and sometimes may be way different. so good. And just praying that, God, give me more and more of a vision of who this child is, who you're making him to be, who you're making her to be, and what does it look like for me to parent in tandem with that Mm. and to let that happen at their own pace. Mm, I love that. I know. And to trust (laughs) they belong to you. They've just been given to me to steward. They Mm. belong to you. You are doing this great work. Yes. And to see how it's going to shape them, these trials, these different things that they have to go through to, to yes. equip them and make them who God intends them to be. Yes. Is there any last thing that you want to say to parents that we haven't hit on already? Mm. I know that there's a lot. We could talk forever. but I, I think I want to say this, and, and I know I said this to you yesterday, but I want to say it again on this podcast. Like, I was so grateful to find out that you and your daughter were going to be speaking together at this event. And I want to say to parents, please 
Spend time in the company of parents who have young adults. Please do get close to those people who've traveled that road or a little farther ahead of you who have figured some things out that you haven't figured out, who can remind you of things that you can forget so easily in this moment. And and I want to say to you on this podcast, like it blessed me to have that conversation oh, with you. And I, I just think that feels so important for us, whatever stage you're in. If you're listening to this and you have a brand new adolescent, get with some parents who have 18-year-olds and just launched a child to college. And if you have late adolescents, get with parents who've graduated kids from college. Mm-hmm. It just feels so important that we get those reminders that we can so easily forget. Absolutely. I mean, it does give us perspective, and it helps to see, like, okay, there is hope. Like, I am working for something that's going to come around. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that y'all are doing. And um, tell, I guess, tell parents where they can find you, find your books, um, website. Everything we do, you could find at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com, and that's our website, and we have a blog We uh, do some Technology Tuesdays where we're trying to push out as much helpful information for parents about this animal of technology. That's great. Uh, It lists where we're traveling around the country and teaching parenting classes on different topics. It will list all of the books that we've written and just some hopeful content. That really is our mission of just how can we be in partnership with parents in this really hard journey of raising kids we love. So everything's there under that umbrella. Awesome. Well, thank thank you. you so much. Thank you. I've loved talking with you. Me too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast, where we hope to communicate the truths of the gospel and apply those truths to youth ministry. We would love for you to check out our website where we publish articles daily geared towards both youth ministers and parents. You will also find resources and more information about our conferences, regional events, and more at www.rootedministry.com.